This sermon is titled Leadership The Four Cs of Leadership Part 3 Be enriched as you listen Today we are continuing our study our learning on leadership we're talking about leadership and uh, specifically talking about the four Cs of leadership So what we're doing is we're creating a framework for ourselves to understand what is good leadership or what is you know what is what is what it means to be a good leader and what does good leadership look like and uh, these things apply to all of us all of us are in one way or the other involved in some form of leadership either at home or in the workplace or school or college wherever you are you're in you, know, you have opportunities to lead yourself and at least one other person and so you and i can take these things and apply it into our lives and in, in the things that we are engaged in that we are involved in we've covered the first two components or aspects about leadership we talked about the importance of character the first c talks about character how important that is secondly we talked about competence last sunday we talked about how important competence is and uh, we mentioned under each of these categories and i'll just quickly review uh, a few things under character we talked about seven ingredients of character just quickly mention this uh, we talked about integrity accountability commitment courage diligence humility and respect and then under competence we uh, listed out seven general skills all of us need uh, to be competent leaders now these are general generic they apply across the board regardless of, of what area you're involved in and we mentioned these seven uh, general skills you know being a visionary strategizing communication people skills planning execution and learning so these are skills we we must have we must develop in our lives to be uh, competent leaders now everything we are saying in this series are things that we can all develop in our own lives right so don't listen to this and say okay i am disqualified from being a leader that's not the purpose of this the purpose of this series is to encourage us saying look you can be a good leader wherever you are take these things you know and work on it develop them in your life and you will be a good leader in whatever area god has called you to be today we want to talk about compassion the third important aspect about a leader is compassion and this is very important but also a very difficult a uh, thing for all of us you know we must learn how to lead with the heart and the head learn to lead with your heart and with your heads so sometimes we only lead with our heads you know the numbers add up go for it <laughs> if they don't add up forget it you know so very logical if it makes sense uh, if it gives us our results gives us the outcome so on so forth and that's important i'm not saying we shouldn't lead with our head we need to be using the mind god has given to us but we also need to lead with our hearts and there are times when you and i as leaders will have to make decisions 
moved by compassion. Now, it is, it is not easy. There is a tension. And when we say by, what do we mean, mean by compassionate leadership or being compassionate as a leader? We're talking about sincerely caring for the people. You're leading people. You're moving them towards a certain objective, a certain goal, a certain destination. And at the same time, we need to have compassion or care for the people we lead. Care about their needs, their interests. How are they feeling as they are making this journey with us? Or they are working towards the overall goals of the organization. So that's being compassionate. You sincerely care for people and you address their personal needs, interests, and feelings as we make this journey. Now, this is not easy at all. It's not at all easy. For many of us, we struggle. How do we balance achieving our goals while at the same time taking care of people's felt needs? How do you balance the two? Because you can't compromise on your goals. Uh, you know, as an organization, uh, as a, as a, you know, you're heading a department or heading an institution, you can't compromise on those goals. You need to go there. You need to achieve those goals. But at the same time, you need to care for the people who are helping make that a reality. How do you balance the two? It's not always easy. Uh, how do we balance being compassionate to get the job done? How do we know when to lead with the head and when to lead with the heart? And how do you integrate the two? It's not easy. And hopefully today, you know, we will uh, share a few things that might help us. You know, and even in church, leading a church, in fact, I think it's even more difficult. Because church is a family, but the church is also a body. The word body in Latin is corpus, which, from which you get the word corporate. So you don't realize, the, the, when you say we are a body, you're saying we are corporate. So you've got to balance the two. Being family, loving and caring, and being a body. Being organizationally sound, functioning like a corporate, like a body that we're supposed to function. Because in a body, everybody is in their place. Everybody is fulfilling their function. Everybody is doing what they're supposed to do. And the sum of these individual parts make up the whole. And so balancing the two, especially in church, is even more difficult. So how do we do that? How do we make that happen? You know, for just as an example, you know, for us as outreach pastors, I tell them they have to be here on this Sunday. One Sunday a year. You know, it's like no options. You have to be here. So we plan it in such a way, they come, they spend three, four days with us, and that following Sunday, they have to be here, because at least once a year, they need to come and say thank you. So it's not an option. This is not an option. They have to be here. But we also have to be compassionate. So on Friday, when Pastor Anand came and said, you know, hey, I just received news. My daughter has to go Monday morning. She has to go for exam. Uh, uh, what do I do? I have to be here on Sunday, but Monday morning is exam. It didn't take more than a minute for me to make the decision. Very easy. Go be with your daughter. So there is the importance of this, but you lead with the head, but you also have to lead with the heart. Go. And we 
God helped him get his you know, trip back Friday itself. So he was back home Saturday. He's there in time. So on Monday, he can take his daughter for the admission exam she needs to write. So there is that balance of you ha- there are some things you insist on, but then you've got to move with a heart when uh, the situation requires. And learning how to balance the two is very important. And, and you know, in leadership, we hear a lot about being an emotionally intelligent leader. And that's another way of saying what I'm saying is we need to be compassionate leaders. And uh, learning to be an emotionally intelligent leader uh, is, is very important. Now, the problem for many of us who are leaders in the workplace is we are very guarded with our relationship. You know, we don't like to smile too much <laughs> and definitely don't cry. <laughs> That crying is a sign of weakness. Don't shed any tears. You know? uh, and so we're very guarded emotionally when it comes to leadership, especially uh, in the workplace. So the leader never cries. <laughs> the leader has no emotions. You know, we kind of put up that up front. But it's very interesting when you look at some of the studies that are coming out. Um, there's a book out there called the emotionally, it's not a Christian book, just a general management book, uh, the emotionally intelligent manager, uh, by David Caruso and Peter Salve. And in that book, they talk about, they try to present the case that, um, the emotion centers of the brain are actually very important. They're a very important part of our thinking, our reasoning, and, and it is important even to make good decisions. So we don't isolate our emotions in order to make good decisions. We learn how to harness the strength of our emotions in order to make good decisions, to solve problems, to cope with change, and succeed. And of course, all of this is in relation to the workplace. So uh, more and more studies are coming out, you know, saying that, look, to be a good leader, don't separate out your emotions Bring them in, learn how to harness your emotions correctly, and make them part of your decision-making process. That means learn how to integrate your head and your heart as you lead people. Are you all with me so far? You want to go home already? (laughs) It's like, Pastor, that's enough. (laughs) No. Okay. So why is compassionate leadership important? You know, here's three simple reasons. Number one, because it creates stronger people connections. So when you are a compassionate leader that has a ripple effect, people who are observing, watching your leadership, they in turn are also going to be compassionate. So that means you're creating a culture where leadership is not just about the head, but it's also the heart. And people around you are going to be compassionate, and you're going to create a culture where their people connections become important. The people begin to value Caring for each other, supporting each other, being there for each other. And then people feel cared for in your organization. It also creates a culture of collaboration. When, uh, when the leader is compassionate and when people are be- moving with compassion towards each other, then it's no longer about competition with each other, but there is collaboration amongst them because they are compassionate. They say, you know, that person needs help. They ask for help. Uh, They give help. You see, somehow in some workplaces, it's a sin to say, I don't know. Or it's a sin to ask a question. What? You don't know? So what, what happens? 
Nobody asks a question and nobody shares information. And that's a terrible culture, a terrible environment to be working in. Because people are pretending they don't have questions and people are not forthcoming with answers. It's a self-defeating environment. Are you with me? But a culture where it is okay to say, hey, I don't know the answer. Do you know the answer? Can you help me with this? Uh, I, can you help me solve this? Can you help me figure this out? That kind of an environment is, is a healthy environment because people will collaborate. They will ask questions. They will share information freely. They are here to support each other. We are in this together. We are compassionate towards each other. We are lifting this thing up together. Are you listening? And that's why compassion and leadership is important. Because if the leader is compassionate, people are going to embody that. They're going to follow that. And it creates a culture of collaboration. People are not afraid to say, hey, I don't know. Can you help me? Thirdly, compassionate leaders are generally perceived as competent. It expresses competence. Because when, when a leader is compassionate, people feel like this leader is not insecure. An insecure leader covers up their insecurity by being hard and firm and ruthless. You have to do what I say. Whereas a leader who is secure says, yeah, you need some extra time? Fine. You want to do that? Fine. They're compassionate. They understand the feelings and the interests of the people that they're leading. So for these three reasons, you know, and, and there could be definitely, there are definitely more, that compassion in, in leadership is very important. And the Lord Jesus himself uh, is, is the greatest example of being a compassionate leader. He was, the, the gospel writers tell us time and time again, he was moved with compassion and he taught the people. He was moved with compassion and he served the people. He healed, he worked miracles. So what he did, he did out of compassion. Now, how do we express compassion? in the context of leadership specifically. I just want to mention these things here. I'm not going to elaborate on them. But just quickly, how do we express compassion in leadership? First of all, we must learn to identify with people's needs. So look at people as people, not as machines. Look at people as, you know, here comes a person. They were hired for their skills but the reality is they come with feelings and emotions. So their skills are attached to this unspoken thing of emotion, of feelings, of needs, of interests. And to, in order for them to perform, these other things are at play as well. So you don't look at people as machines. You look at people as people. And you identify with what they are going through in life. And so, in that context, then you try to help, you try to support, you try to encourage. Secondly, being gentle. We need to speak the truth, but we need to speak the truth in love. We'll talk more about that later. We are firm in our leadership, but is expressed in gentleness. My yes means yes, and my no means no, but I need to say it as gently as possible. So I'm firm, but I'm gentle. And that's a, a skill that we need to express compassion. Kindness, that means what good can I do for the people I'm leading? They are serving, but can I do something good? Sometimes it's a small thing that can let them know we care for. 
example. I'm not saying all of us have to do this. I'm just sharing some practical examples, you know, for our volunteers. You know, our worship team comes early in the morning. Uh, these volunteers come here at Central. They land up here at 6 o'clock, 6.30, 7, 7, 8.30. You know, worship team comes early. So let's serve them breakfast. Now, somebody will say, how can you use church money to serve breakfast for some people? Hey, they've come here at 8.30 in the morning. You were sleeping? <laughs> they were here practicing. So it's a small thing, 50 rupees per head or whatever. <laughs> breakfast. Small thing. Use church money to do that? Of course we use church money. <laughs> but it's a small thing. It's an act of kindness that says... You're valued. We appreciate the sacrifice you're making in order to come here early. And you know, a lot of setup has to happen. Our worship team has to practice. So small things like this, you know, you're showing kindness and you're saying, I care for your needs. Now, surely we can tell everybody, eat breakfast before you leave home. Which means, you know, they have to get up early, they get things there. But if we can just give them a little thing, hey, it's just, it's just a small act of kindness, but it shows compassion. Some of you are thinking, now I should join the worship team. No, no. You're welcome. Generosity, you know, given to people's lives. You know, not only monetarily, but in other ways. You know, be generous to people. Uh, they need to know that you, know, you care for them, and a great way to express that care is being generous. Uh, be forgiving, which means, uh, you know, uh, they may have made mistakes in the early stages of their journey, but once they've worked past those mistakes, don't recall that, hey, remember five years ago, you didn't know how to write that line of code? Who cares? They've gone past that. You, go, as a leader, go past it. Don't remind them of their Beginnings. Everybody has had a beginning. Everybody has gone through the learning curve and the learning process. They are no longer there. They've gone past it. It's a, a terrible thing to keep reminding them of their learning process and the mistakes they made um, uh, during their learning curve. So forgive, forget those things. Number six, as a leader, you sacrifice. Where you serve without expecting a reward from them. You know, you serve them because you want them to be blessed. Your reward comes from God. So you serve without anything in expectation from them. And that's a great way to demonstrate compassion. And lastly, you know, always end everything with hope. That means see the good in each person. Sometimes things may be difficult. And we'll talk about some of these things. You may have to let somebody go. You may, not have, you may not be able to give them the promotion they need, whatever. But always end with hope. You are somebody. You can achieve something. Even it may not be in this position or in this organization. But somewhere there is something where you can achieve. You always end with hope. It's an expression of compassion. Are you with me? So these are some simple ways that as leaders, we can express compassion to the people we serve. You know, what does an uncompassionate leader look like in contrast? An uncompassionate leader, just, you know, number of, first of all, he places self above others. He's not afraid to turn his gun on his best friend in order to achieve his own selfish agendas. That's an uncompassionate leader. And sadly, unfortunately, you know, we see examples of that. And that's not good. Uh, an uncompassionate leader is caustic and hurtful. They are very harsh with their words. 
They may be decisive. You can be decisive, but in the process, if you are being hurtful and you're being caustic and you're creating a hurt, uh, that's not an expression of compassion. So while we, are, we talk about being decisive, we talk about being strategic, it has got to be done gently. But an uncompassionate leader doesn't care about that as long as they get their goals accomplished. And an uncompassionate leader pursues objectives with no concern for the people who are working to achieve those goals. Remember, without them, you could never achieve those goals. So, as we plan to close the sermon, how do we practice compassion in leadership? How do we do this? Some practical things here. You know, what, how do we do this? Here are things that help me. First of all, there is grace and truth. And I need to learn to balance the two. There is grace, there is truth. So in the person of Jesus Christ, the gospel writer John, in John 1.17, he says, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth. So Jesus came to bring grace and truth. We are following his example. Grace and truth. So as a leader, I must balance the two. There is truth, but there is grace. The challenge is, how do I walk in truth without compromising grace? And how do I walk in grace without compromising truth? So for example, if somebody is not performing, I have to tell them the truth. The truth is, Hey, you're not performing. But how do I bring grace in to that situation? I can give them the resources or the means to help improve performance. So that's grace. I'm telling them the truth. If I tell them, oh, your performance is great, I'm speaking lies. I'm not helping them. I'm not helping the organization. I'm not being a good leader. So I need to say the truth. Your performance needs to improve. But I need to do it with grace. But here are the ways you can improve. Are you listening? There is truth. There is grace. You know, and learning how to blend the two is, is so important. You know, I remember, I'm just giving a few examples. You know, if we had time, we could talk about many stories. But I remember back in 2019, uh, middle of the year, we had a meeting over the advisory board and all that. And we decided we we're going to stop our God TV programs. So we were on God TV from 2012. And 2019, we said, you know, there's this whole shift of people, uh, uh, you know, the, in terms of digital consumption, uh, there's a shift towards social media. People are consuming their content on demand through, you know, YouTube and other platforms. Uh, Television is not a big thing now. It is there. It not, may not go away. But consumption is more moving more towards these platforms. So now, instead of us investing so much money, it costs so much money every month um, to be on God TV, let's turn that off and let's just provide the same resources through uh, YouTube and other channels. And so now, when we made that decision on meeting, now I had to communicate it to our staff, and we had two people who their main work was the God TV production. 
And they were good people. Nothing wrong with them. But organizationally, we had made a decision to go off God TV. And so I had to make a decision. I called them. I knew it was not going to be easy. They're good people. They've been working with us for several years now. So I called them and I said, you know, hey, this is the decision we've made. And therefore, uh, we have to let both of you go. Because, you know, there was nothing else. Of course, I thought through my mind, is there any, any other place we can fit them, do, you know, where we can keep them engaged 40 hours a week? Uh, there wasn't anything at that time. So we had to make that decision. But then I also thought, how can I do this gracefully? Now, as far as our HR guidelines says, we, either way, we have to give just one month notice. But I said, and so giving them one month notice, we'll give them three months notice. And then I'll make sure they get their, their bonus for that year. So, and not only that, I'm going to help them find a job somewhere else. So when I called them in and I said, look, this is bad news for both of you, because we're going to go off God TV, which means you're not going to be having a job with us anymore. But it'll give you three months instead of one month. We will make sure you get your bonus for this year. Plus, I will personally be involved in trying to help you get a job somewhere else. I'm going to reach out to all the contacts I have. You give me your resume. I'll reach out to all the contacts I have. I'll, I'll do my best to help you get a job outside. So there is truth, meaning we're making a decision organizationally, but there is grace, meaning I want to help this make this transition as easy as possible. Are you listening? Right? So simple things like that can help us balance truth and grace. Secondly, we got to speak the truth in love. So we have, we, as leaders, we have to, you know, there are facts. We can't deny it. There are numbers we work with. There are other things. So we have to admit it. We have to speak the truth. Ephesians 4.15 teaches us to speak the truth, but do it in love. Do it as lovingly as possible. You know, address the matter that needs to be addressed, but do it in love. How does love, what does love do? And the Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians 13, what does love do? Love builds up. Love strengthens. Love gives hope, right? So you're speaking the truth, but you always do it in love to build the other person up, to strengthen the other person. So we don't want to be hypocritical. We don't want to say, oh, everything is okay when it's not okay. But learning how to say it's not okay in a positive way is where compassion comes in and it takes a little bit of skill. Are you all with me? And so, as leaders, we need to speak the truth, but we need to speak it with love. And we must walk with wisdom. So like we said in the very beginning, it takes wisdom to balance the two. To lead with the head, to lead with the heart. It takes walk with wisdom. In James 2, in verse 13, it says, Judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. That means if I don't show any mercy, then I won't receive any mercy. But I must keep something in mind. Mercy triumphs over 
judgment. That means while there is judgment, mercy supersedes that. Mercy can outdo what judgment can do. So mercy triumphs over judgment. So we've got to keep that in mind. There are times when you have to, you know, judge a situation. The Bible teaches us to judge righteous judgment. So you have to judge righteously. But when you execute judgment, see how you can bring mercy into the equation. Because mercy will do more than what judgment can do. Judgment, if you, if you only execute judgment, it may destroy the person. But if you... And, and sometimes, you know, you have to execute judgment. You have to do what is just and fair. So you do what is just and fair, but put mercy into the equation. And mercy triumphs over judgment. So think about that. So when you, as a leader, you have to do what's just and fair, but see how you can put mercy in. How you can show mercy to somebody who, who may be at the receiving end of justice, of fairness. How can mercy come into play in that equation? In James 3 verse 17, that same, uh, same book in James 3, it talks about wisdom and says this is how wisdom is expressed. Wisdom is pure, is peaceable, is gentle, it's willing to yield, it's full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. So in everything you do, this is how you evaluate. I am going to show compassion. I'm going to be gentle. I'm going to show mercy. I'm going to do what's good. But I must do it without partiality and without hypocrisy. I do it without partiality and without hypocrisy. So when I think about making decisions... I got to make sure while I'm showing compassion, showing mercy, doing good things, I got to make sure that what I do, the good that I do, is without partiality and without hypocrisy. So in your organization, you can't show good to one person and then not extend the same good to all the other people in the organization. Because that would be partial. Are you listening? So you have to think. You have to walk with wisdom. I'm showing compassion, but if I show comp this compassion to one person, I'm setting a precedent. I have to be willing to do the same thing for everybody else. Because I have to show it without partiality and without hypocrisy. Being fair. And that takes a bit of wisdom. So, in being compassionate, we can't be selective if you're showing compassion to one person, keep in mind that if there are 50 other people in the organization, they also must be shown that same compassion. And that takes a bit of wisdom. So keep that in your mind. If I say yes to one person, I've got to be willing to say yes to everybody else. It's equal. I must walk with wisdom. And wisdom is without partiality, without hypocrisy. In closing... What if people misuse our compassion? You know, now this is a big challenge. You know, if people know you're a compassionate leader, okay, let's pull on his compassion strings, you know. And they try to misuse that. So this is where you and I, with wisdom, 
blend grace and truth. I'm willing to be gracious, but I will not compromise on truth. So even if somebody, if I see somebody misusing compassion, I will emphasize truth. Hey, we cannot compromise on truth. There is grace, there is compassion, but there is also truth. And I cannot compromise on that. So if we see people misusing our compassion, you've got to emphasize the truth. And lastly, being compassionate does not mean we are a pushover. If you don't know what pushover means, Google it. <laughs> it just because we are compassionate leaders doesn't mean people can wiggle their way through. Right? You need to know how to be strong as a leader. And when you have to be firm, when your no means no, and when there is place for grace and mercy, you cannot be a pushover. Now I remember this, and this is just uh, an example. Uh, this was during the days when I was working. Uh, I still work, but I work for church. <laughs> But this was the days when I was running my software business. So this was between 2001 and 2014. And uh, uh, you know, during those days, most of our clients were overseas. We did work for clients in India, I think just for two clients. One of them happened to be a large international global name, a pharma company. So we had done an initial work for their marketing, their business development division. And then we were invited to do work for their uh, research, R&D division, basically the drug discovery process. So we were creating this software that would drive the drug discovery process. And so we were interacting with all the, the, uh, the, the scientists in this organization. And uh, of course, you know, when you do this project, you give a plan, a phase, and so on. The head of IT, uh, the India head of IT, was involved and you know, we did this, we got all approved, we got the work started. We delivered phase one, went live on premises. Then after that, the head of IT called me and he said, you know, I, I want to make some changes. I said, okay, what is it? He said, I want you to deliver all the code you've developed, the software code. I want you to give it to this other company that was based somewhere else in India. I want you to give the code to them. Now, this is all off the records. It's not like official. And he said, from now on, your payment will not come from us. Your payment will come from that company. And I was like, okay, I smell a rat. This is not part of the agreement. This is not what we're doing. And I knew what he was up to. This is not, so what, you know, now I am a pastor. I am a Christian. I am supposed to walk in compassion. But what am I supposed to do in a situation like this where there is foul play? The code was being written for this big brand organization. But now here the head of IT of that company is telling me to do something totally unscrupulous. What do I do? Well, first I had to protect myself, make sure I collected the money they owed us for the phase one. Because, you know, I had staff, I had to pay their salaries and that money is important. So I made sure I collected that. And then I said, I'm not going to let this guy go. He's the head of IT. There's a huge 
you know, multinational pharma company. We are a small company. We're a non-entity before them. It's not even David fighting Goliath. It's David's youngest brother fighting, <laughs> fighting Goliath. There's no comparison to who we are and who this big company is, but I will not be pushed over. So after I collected money for the phase one, I've raised the flag. I emailed all the, the, the research people that we were interacting with, and I said, see, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. The work we have developed is, being, is going to an unknown third-party company. Money is going to be routed through that company. I want you to know this is what's happening in your organization. I knew this was risky. I knew this might mean the end of the project. I, I didn't know what the outcome was going to be, but I raised the flag. I was not going to be a pushover in this case. I am a Christian. I'm a believer. But I stand my ground. When I walked into this head of IT's office next time, he said, you know what? There's room only for one of us in this place, and you're going to be here. I'm out. So he got fired. The whole IT department was afraid of me. <laughs> this guy is serious. But the point I want to get across is this. Just because you are compassionate doesn't mean you can be a pushover. That you stand your ground. You stand for truth. And you can't let people do all their unscrupulous things around you. You stand for truth. There is compassion, there is mercy, there is grace. But you will not compromise on truth. Amen? So, the, the third aspect of compassion is, a uh, third aspect of a strong leader is compassion. Let's just review quickly. How do we express compassion? We identify with people, uh, their needs, we address those needs, we are gentle. We're kind, we're generous, we're forgiving, we sacrifice, and we always live with hope. The fourth part of, of this leadership is charisma, which we will talk about in another, on another Sunday. And how the first three that we refer to, character, competence, and compassion, actually give birth to your charisma. And charisma is the influence that you have on people. And that's also a very important part of leadership. Amen? Worship team, please come. We're going to take some time to pray. And a prayer is that each one of us learn how to be good leaders and provide good leadership wherever God has placed us and uh, in whatever we do. That we are good leaders. We are strong leaders. We are leaders who have character, competence, but we also know how to walk with compassion. Amen? We're going to take some time just to pray. I know we spoke about leadership, but I'm also very aware that Sunday after Sunday, people come into this place with personal needs, with challenges that they are facing, with problems, real life situations, problems in life, and so on. There are people who come needing healing, needing deliverance, uh, needing God to break through, come through in certain situations in their lives. I'm very aware of that. And so, before we close, we want to pray towards those things. 
And we believe in a God who hears and answers prayer. So I know we spoke about leadership, but now we are moving in to a time of believing God to minister to you personally. Whatever your needs are, that the God of heaven knows you by name. The God of heaven knows every hair on your head. The God of heaven knows every need, every need in your life. And we're going to pray a simple prayer. But God would meet your need. We received a testimony from two Sundays ago. Um, right after worship, that particular Sunday, I came here and I just said, you know, I forget the exact words I said, but something like, God so loved us that he gave. And he would give into your life. And there was somebody here who had come with a financial need. He needed a certain sum of money. And he just prayed. He received that word. That same day, from an unexpected source, God met his need. Amen. It was just a simple word. God loved us so much that he gave. He believed that. And God met his need. The same God is here this morning. He knows your need. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows the healing you need. He knows the victory you're fighting for. Whatever you are looking for in your life. And so when we take these few moments to pray, I want you to open your heart and say, Lord, I need your touch. The same Holy Spirit who hovered over creation. At the very beginning, He hovers over this place. He hovers over your life right now. And He can touch, He can heal, He can deliver. He can meet your need. Father, we just thank you. We thank you, Father, that you know every person in this place. Every need, God, every home, every family, every individual, God, in this place. And God, we take these few moments now as we pray, as we look to you, we invite you to work miracles. We invite you to work healings, to work deliverances, to break bondages, to meet needs, Father by the power of your Holy Spirit, even as we stand in your presence. Thank you, O oh God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's rise to our feet and we'll let the worship team lead us in a song. And during this time, just let faith arise in your heart. Look to God for your miracle. Look to God for your healing. Just the song, that moment can be your time of receiving a healing, of receiving a miracle, of receiving a breakthrough, of receiving a deliverance in your life. There is nothing impossible with our God and I want you to look to Him. I want you to look to Him.
Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. Let's take a few moments to pray right now. Thank you. Thank you, God. Just lift up your need to the Lord. If you need healing in your body, just lay your hand if possible, the area that you want the Lord to touch and heal. There's something else that you're praying about. Just lift it up to the Lord this moment. Father, we come before you in the name of your Son, Jesus. You are our healer. You are our deliverer. And in the authority of Jesus' name, because of the finished work of Christ on the cross, I command healing. I command sicknesses and diseases to leave. I command ailments to leave. Pains, disorders, chronic illnesses. I command them to leave in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because God's word says that by his stripes, we were healed. Our bodies were healed. Healing was administered to us through the cross. And so we receive it now. In the name of Jesus Christ. Be healed in Jesus' name. Wherever you are, those watching online, I just want you to say, Lord, I receive it. I receive it now. I take authority over every spirit of infirmity, every spirit causing sickness, disease, oppressive spirits, tormenting spirits. I command you in the name of Jesus to leave. Let God's people be free, be set free. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father. We bless you. We honor you, Jesus. We honor you, God. Thank you that you are our healer, our deliverer. Thank you even now as we connect our faith and receive from you that healing manifests in our bodies. Deliverance takes place. Wholeness in our minds and our bodies takes place. Thank you, Father God. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And Father, intervene in life situations. Intervene in our circumstances. Turn things around because you are the miracle worker. There is nothing impossible for you. In the workplace, turn things around. At home, and the family, in the marriage, turn things around the lives of our spouse and the lives of our children and the lives of family members we are praying for turn things around we thank you father thank you oh god in jesus name amen amen 
before we close, we always like to give an invitation for people to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've never believed in Christ, you've never made that personal decision to receive Jesus into your life and believe in Him. You see, the Bible says that as many as receive Jesus, to them He gives the power to become the children of God, even to those who believe in His name. There's only one who can make you a child of God. It's Jesus Christ. He can forgive you your sin and bring you into the family of God. But you have to make one decision to believe in Jesus for who He is. He is our Savior. He died for our sins so that we could be forgiven. He was buried and He rose up again. He's alive today. He's the only way to God. Is anyone here this morning you've never believed in Jesus you've never received him into your life and asked him to make you a child of God I'm going to lead us in a very simple prayer if you've never done that or those watching online if you've never done that you're welcome to do it now it's your choice and you're welcome to do it let's pray just say this with me if you've never done this before Lord Jesus forgive my sins come into my life Make me a child of God and help me to follow you and you alone the rest of my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Anybody here, you pray this simple prayer with me for the very first time. We just like to see your hand. We just like to celebrate with you. So if you don't mind, if you pray this prayer with me for the very first time, could you raise your hand? Anyone? Here, welcome. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? You prayed this prayer with me for the very first time. We just like to see your hand. If you've never done this before, you did it this morning. We just like to see your hand. We like to celebrate with you. God bless you. Our greeters will come and give you. Is there another hand somewhere else? Oh, wonderful. Let's pray. Praise God for that. Wonderful. Our greeters will come and give you a welcome packet, a, a, a packet, a bag that has what we call as free resources for new believers. Uh, please take it with you. There's a card that has your, where you can write your name and number. Hand it back to us so we can call you and tell you how to use it. Anybody else? You prayed this prayer with me for the very first time. We don't want to miss anybody. And make sure you get this back. All right? Uh, or our ushers will be there with the bag on your way out. You can ask them for it. Just write your name on the card. Give it to them. And somebody will call you from the church office and guide you on how to use these resources. All right, those of you who are with us for the very first time, we have a welcome lounge out in the main end foyer, the main entrance. So if you could kindly make your way there, uh, there'll be people waiting to meet with you, get to know us. There'll be an opportunity to get to know you. Let's close, please. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with each of us always. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We trust this message was a blessing to you. For more free resources, including sermons, sermon notes, and books, please visit apcwo.org. For information on APC Bible College in Bangalore, visit apcbiblecollege.org. Do remember to download the All People's Church Bangalore app from the Apple or Google Play Store.